Hi, word nerds and history geeks. You're tuned in to say what? 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 You know how we just use some words and we know how to use them in context without really thinking much about their origin? Like, I don't know, serendipity or argy-bargy, kerfuffle. And what about ragamuffin? I know, I know, these are words we use all the time, right? Well, it got me thinking about the word gaslight. Since the 2016 election that gave Donald Trump a platform, not to mention the presidency of the United States, the word's been everywhere. But where does it come from? What does it mean? Let's get into it. I'm Jo Vraka. I write books and I argue about words all the time. And each episode, I'm going to rub shoulders with the glitterati of the English language, where we'll learn that some of the more colourful and even basic words that we use every day have very un-English origins. Where do words come from? Who came up with them? Who polices them? And what is the secret history of words that we use every day? Let's find out. We hear a lot about ghosting. You know, it's when someone ends a relationship or a friendship suddenly without any warning and they just disappear with no contact, nothing at all. They stop responding to your Instagram DMs. They stop messaging you. They don't answer any of your emails. It's really weird, right? Well, that's ghosting. But what about gaslighting? Before we get stuck into today's word, I want to remind you that gaslighting, while a pop cultural go-to word, it's actually a form of abuse. In many cases, perpetrated by men against women as a form of coercive control. And gaslighting makes a very insidious and all-too-common appearance in cases of child abuse. I'm in nowhere making light of these. So the term gaslighting has been around for almost a century, but it wasn't until the last few years that it's seen a resurgence, and that's thanks largely due to people like Donald Trump and, you know, Brexit and that sort of thing. According to Wiktionary, the verb sense derives from the 1938 stage play called Gaslight in which a husband attempts to convince his wife and others that she is insane by manipulating small elements of their environment. So when I found this out, I thought, well, I've got to go and watch the movie. So I did. I watched the original movie, which was from 1940, and it was based on a stage play by the same name written by Patrick Hamilton. So in the film, besides being super dramatic in the way that movies were back then, you know, close-ups of crazy eyes, that sort of thing, It was actually really fascinating to see, you know, where the term that we use so freely today actually comes from. Now, I don't want to give away too much of the plot, but in some scenes of this thriller, the husband, Paul Mallon, would ask his wife to wear a brooch he'd given her, and when she couldn't find it, he'd convince her that she was going mad. You make my life a misery at home, and now you shame me in public. At least let's keep your stealing and pickpocketing and lying to ourselves. I haven't lied to you. I didn't take your watch. What about the brooch? Brooch? The one I asked you to wear tonight. The one that didn't go with your dress. It's upstairs in my room. More lies. It is. It must be. It's only mislaid, Paul. You've hidden it away in one of your mad dreams. I have not. If it's gone, someone else has taken it. Someone else? We see about someone else. The poor woman, Bella Mallon, was so easily convinced, though. She was an easy victim. But let's just contextualise this a bit. 
The story Gaslight is set in the late 19th century and at that time women were first their father's property and then their husband's. Women couldn't vote or even speak up. They had to obey their male guardian in every matter. As asylums became more prevalent, men began to use them to take control of their women. Women could be committed to a mental asylum for just not doing what her husband said, or even for finding out that her husband was having an affair with a scullery maid, for example. It was a way for men to get rid of the old and make way for the new. And women had absolutely no say in the matter, and couldn't even appeal. A general mental malaise and hysteria were means of locking away women who were inappropriate and too vocal. I mean, if you masturbated or thought of sex, off you went for some correction. The reference to actual gaslight comes from a few scenes in the movie. At this time in history, when there was no electricity yet, homes were lit by gas lanterns. And there's a really cool scene from the movie where we see a lamplighter on the street using a long pole to light the street lamps. Bella's husband, Paul, would roam around in the locked upstairs rooms of their home when his wife thought he was out and he'd make all these noises. I won't tell you why he's up there or why the room was blocked off because that's important to the plot. But when he was upstairs, Paul would use the gas lights, which made the lamps in the main house downstairs flicker. So poor Bella, already on edge, would like be freaking out that these lamp lights are going up and down, up and down. And she would tell her husband and he would just shake it off, telling her that she's just imagining things. That, along with other shenanigans, like telling her that she'd lost a brooch or she'd hidden a painting, it makes Bella question her sanity. And when she does, she asks Paul, but I was getting better, wasn't I? Another great film example of gaslighting is The Girl on the Train. Again, I won't spoil it, but if you watch it, you'll see the classic examples of how easily a woman who's already on the precipice can be manipulated into believing false memories. She's been made to feel she can't trust herself or anything she remembers, and that means what others say must be the truth. And let's not forget Rosemary's baby. Convinced by her husband that, you know, everything's okay and you're just imagining things, poor Rosemary finds out eventually that no, she's not imagining things nothing is okay and the final scene clearly tells us that it's not all in her head this is no dream this is really happening so when did gaslight go from movie title and its literal meaning to its metaphorical day-to-day use a quick search gave me this gaslighting once referred to extreme manipulation that could induce mental illness or justify a commitment to a psychiatric institution. But today, it's used as a way to make someone question their reality. The New York Times first used gaslighting as a word in 1995 in a Maureen Dowd column, but it wasn't until 2018 that Oxford University Press named gaslighting as a runner-up in their list of the most popular new words of 2018. If you want to know what the most popular was, head over to Instagram where I share that. My favourite reference of recent times is journalist Anderson Cooper, who created a series about the lies of politicians called We'll Leave the Gaslight On. And look, psychologists use the term gaslighting to refer to a specific type of manipulation where the manipulator tries to get someone else or a group of people to question their own reality and their memories or their perceptions. Some of the phrases that give away someone who's gaslighting include, oh, come on, I never said that. 
You're just being overly sensitive. I don't know why you're making such a big deal out of this. Honestly, I can't imagine anyone who has never been guilty of some form of gaslighting, right? I'm pretty sure I do it. But not all gaslighting is deliberate and it's not all diabolical, but all forms are pretty insidious. The role of the person who's doing the gaslighting is to undermine their victim's judgment and reliability so that they come to rely on the abuser. Like when Bella Mellor in the film Gaslight would turn to her husband, Paul, for reassurance. So humiliating for me. That girl laughs at me enough as it is. Oh, nonsense, Bella. You know perfectly well how you imagine things. Don't say that. I have been better the last two weeks, haven't I? you mean? You know very well what I mean, but I've been trying so hard. And I have been better because you've been kind to me. I'll be perfectly all right if only you'll be patient and gentle with me. Of course, my dear, of course. So what about today? Here's an example of modern-day gaslighting in the real world. I'm sure you've experienced some form of this. You've invited your friend over for dinner and she doesn't show up. She tells you she's sick and can't get out of bed, migraine, gastro, whatever it is. And you think, okay, shit happens, and you go on with your night, and you chill with Netflix all on your own. (laughs) So while you're on the couch, you're scrolling through Instagram, and you see on your friend's Instagram feed that, well, she's actually out having drinks with someone. So when you confront her, she says this, oh, well, you know, I felt a bit better later on. Don't worry about it. You're just being too sensitive. You're just so hysterical about these things. Why are you being such a snowflake? And you think to yourself, oh, maybe she's right. What is the big deal? Maybe I am being too sensitive and maybe I'm just overthinking it. That's gaslighting. Some argue that Donald Trump's entire reign as president of the United States was one gaslighting event after the other, starting with his inauguration. Remember when he claimed to have more visitors to the National Mall on the day he was sworn into office than Barack Obama? I saw the photos, and I'm sure you did too. Go look them up. It's pretty funny. It's estimated that around 1.8 million people turned out for Obama's inauguration, but it's suggested that there were around, I don't know, 250,000 people at Trump's inauguration. But this is what Trump said at the time. I get up this morning, I turn on one of the networks, and they show an empty field. I said, wait a minute. I made a speech. I looked out. The field was... It looked like a million, a million and a half people. They showed a field where there were practically nobody standing there. Trump's use of the catchphrase fake news is also a classic case of gaslighting. It's all fake news. It's phony stuff. It didn't happen. What he did was he created doubt over facts, over the news, and over who was telling the truth. And he would sow doubt. This sort of thing, fake news, it creates space for a gaslighter to swoop in and substitute their own version of the truth. And that's when they own their audience. We don't want fake news. For example, when Trump says guns don't kill people, mental illness and hatred pulls a trigger. Yeah, plenty of people have said that. And when you hear it like that, it kind of sounds true, right? I mean, it's partly true, but that's not the full truth. And that's how he works to gaslight. But political gaslighting isn't the sole domain of an ex-US president. Plenty of despots do it. So remember in 2014, Malaysian Airlines MH17 was shot down while flying over East Ukraine. Plenty of pro-Kremlin journalists said things like this. It wasn't a Russian missile. 
It was a Ukrainian missile. It was the pilot. He crashed the plane deliberately. It's an anti-Russian conspiracy. So you see how these things sound, well, they sound pretty true. And when you create that level of doubt, you swoop in and you put your own facts, your own version of the facts into people's brains. But you might argue, isn't that lying? Well, no. More than lying, gaslighting is a way of manipulating and confusing someone. They're just made vulnerable so that they question themselves and then turn to the gaslighter as the reliable saviour. On the other hand, a lie is a simple way to put someone off the scent of the lie or truth. Gaslighting has more of an agenda. It's to make someone feel guilt or to manipulate them so that the victim stops questioning or trying to find the truth. Lying hides the truth to stop someone getting into trouble. Gaslighting twists the truth for power. Let me tell you a rather ironic story about the film Gaslight. The one from 1940, starring Anton Walbrook as Paul Mellon, the husband, and Diana Wynyard as Bella Mellon, the wife. This isn't the only version of the film. In fact, the famous version was made in Hollywood and released in 1944, and it starred Ingrid Bergman as the opera singing wife and victim, so it's slightly different. When the Hollywood remake was being filmed, the producers tried to suppress the 1940 British version of the film and demanded that all prints be destroyed. Say what? Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer MGM Studios withdrew the original film from distribution so it wouldn't compete with the Hollywood remake. Gaslight was being gaslit. (laughs) And finally, an old and quintessential tale that's more about fools than it is about gaslighting, but it's nevertheless a terrific cautionary tale. Let me tell you about the Hans Christian Andersen tale of The Emperor's New Clothes, which reveals swindling as a form of gaslighting. In the story, a duo of swindling weavers, can you imagine swindling weavers, (laughs) arrived in town claiming to be the most magnificent fabric weavers. The town's emperor was a bit of a fool who loved his glamorous wardrobe of finery more than his people. Now, the weavers knew about this emperor and his affinity for fine clothes. So they revealed that the fabric they would weave for him was so wonderful and magical that it would become invisible to anyone who was unfit for his office or who was really stupid. When the emperor heard about this, he was like, whoa, these are exactly what I want. If I wear them, he thought, I'll be able to discover which men in my empire are unfit for their posts and I can tell the wise men from the fools. I mean, we'd all want a bit of that fabric, right? So he paid the weavers a stack of cash to get started on the new clothes right away. And so they did. The weavers toiled day in and day out to create the fabric. So one day, the emperor decided to check in on the weavers, but remembering their warning, he decided to send someone else to see how things were going. I'll send my honest old minister to the weavers, he decided. He'll be the best one to tell me how the material looks, for he's a sensible man and no one does his duty better. So the honest old minister went into the room where the two weavers were working away at their looms and to him, the looms looked empty. Heaven help me, he thought. I can't see anything at all. But obviously, he wasn't about to say that, not after the warning. Both the swindlers begged him to be so kind as to come near to approve the excellent pattern and the beautiful colours on the loom. They pointed to the empty looms and the poor old minister stared as hard as he dared, but he couldn't see anything Well, because there was nothing to see. Heaven have mercy, he thought. Can it be that I'm a fool? 
or unfit for my post? I'd never have guessed it, and not a soul must know. Oh, it's beautiful, it's enchanting, the old minister peered through his spectacles. Such pattern. What colours? I'll be sure to tell the emperor how delighted I am with it. So the swindlers asked for more money, more silk and gold thread to get on with the weaving. After the emperor sent another minister to view the fabric and came away with the same enthusiastic feedback, the entire town was talking of this splendid cloth and the emperor wanted to see it for himself. So he took his two trustworthy ministers. Magnificent, they said to the emperor. Just look, your majesty, what colours, what a design. And they just pointed at the empty looms. What's this, thought the emperor. I can't see anything. This is terrible. Am I a dickhead? Am I unfit to be the emperor? How can this happen to me of all people? But instead he just said, oh, it's very pretty. It has my highest approval. So in a nutshell, how did it end? Well, the emperor paraded through the streets in the nude. And the only person to say anything was a young child who really could give a toss about being called a fool or unfit for office. The emperor's in the nudes, the kids said. The end. (laughs) If you're keen for some old school melodrama, seek out the original version of Gaslight. It's available free on YouTube as it's now out of print because, well, you know, Hollywood is better at gaslighting than anyone. Not as good as, I don't know, Putin or Trump. See you next time. If this episode has triggered any emotions for you, please contact the helpline or lifeline in your local area. Say What? The podcast was brought to you by me, Joe Vraka. Sound engineering by Jeff Willis. You can follow the show for free on Spotify, Apple, and all your favorite apps. Look for Say What? The podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at Say What The Podcast, where I share some of my favourite and sometimes least favourite words. 